From years of anxiety to warrior and mentor, Bradley Robinson created the Anxiety Project to help you end your anxiety naturally. Let's mold the new you and let's end anxiety together. Hello and welcome to episode 134 of the Anxiety Project podcast. I am Brad Robinson. Thank you for being here today with me and it's a Q&A episode. So I'm going over your questions that you've sent me, whether it was via unpluganxiety.com, whether it was on Instagram, whether it was on YouTube. Thank you for those questions. Really, really powerful questions today. But before I get into that, I want to go over your comments on last week's episode 133, which was all about letting go, letting go of those stored negative emotions, letting go of that materialism and on the other side of that pain is freedom. And I'm going to talk about a little bit uh, about that today as well. And so Ray leaves a comment saying, to let go of your fears when facing the uncertainty is easier said than done. But when you do, it's the most freeing experience you can have. And I agree. On the other side of that pain, there's that freedom. But you have to brave that pain. And it's easier said than done, 100%. You have to feel to understand. Like Wim Hof says, feeling is understanding. And thank you, Ray, for your uh, comment. Cherry says, I love when you talk about the ego. The more we understand it, the more we can work to cut the strings that bind us to it. Great episode as always. Uh, thank you for your comment. Leela is Zen. Uh, that's a great name. Says, I love how practical and useful your podcast is. You can also see this letting go technique used when someone close to you passes away. It's the acceptance that allows us to move past suffering into freedom and love. 100% Leela, I agree. Before I get into this Q&A episode, I want to mention to you that this is the last week you can get the Anxiety Project program for 50% off. All you have to do is rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Send me an email at unpluganxiety.com saying that you did that and I send you a coupon code for 50% off the program but it's ending this week so jump on that as soon as you can. The first question comes from Lawrence. He says, what is your opinion on smoking weed and its relationship to depersonalization? Now, I'm going to answer this question more broadly, and I'm, I will answer it, but I also want to give my opinion about weed as well. So when I was going through my anxiety recovery, I became more consciously aware of just my overall feelings, my overall state, and the more conscious I became over what made me feel good and whether it 
impacted me negatively was magnified the more I was meditating, the more I was eating properly, the more I was journaling, the more I was connecting with myself because anxiety sufferers are so disconnected. A lot of people are nowadays are so disconnected from themselves. So they start to meditate and realize that there's this, this, there's this other world, this other perspective. You can live differently from, from these different habits. And so I became more consciously aware when I started my recovery, when I started to meditate and and connect more with myself. And the first thing that was driving me to push through this recovery journey was I wanted to move as far away from that old Brad as I could because I didn't like that guy. I didn't like his lifestyle. I didn't like his personality. He was somebody that was stuck. And you can say a loser. The old Brad smoked weed occasionally. And so I thought to myself, well, if I change that habit, maybe I'll be more different and I'll move away from this Brad that I want to get away from. Doesn't mean that the habit is bad, but I just wanted to do the opposite, do the different things that the old Brad was doing because I didn't want to be that guy anymore. And also not hanging around those toxic friends that facilitated that weed smoking also helped as well. So I I lessened my weed smoking the more I was just spending time with myself learning about anxiety and engaging in these new productive habits. Now looking back on how I was feeling when I smoked weed, I realized that it enhanced my anxiety to some degree. The, The paranoia enhanced. Also the depersonalization enhanced as well. And I was feeling more detached when I would smoke weed. I remember going to work and I would smoke weed before work and then after work. And I remember riding on the subway and feeling detached from everybody else thinking I'm, I'm, you know, I'm different from everybody else, but also not feeling like myself, not feeling comfortable in my own skin, feeling automated And that was very anxiety-producing for me because I would recognize how I felt. I didn't feel... I didn't feel calm. I didn't feel relaxed, fulfilled. I didn't feel comfortable in my own skin. The weed enhanced those depersonalization symptoms, the symptoms of losing control and not having control over your thoughts and emotions and your actions and the dizziness and lightheadedness would occur often when I would smoke weed and the feeling of not being in control, anxiety suffers desperately want more control and 
think of control, right? Control requires more order and less chaos. Anxiety sufferers are so far into chaos that they need to add that order to walk the proper path in life. Because the proper path in life is the mediation between order and chaos. Having one foot in chaos, the other foot in order. Too much order is bad, too much chaos is bad. And as you can see, too much chaos is bad. And the weed was contributing to that chaos. And people generally want more control. They want to have that control over their feelings and emotions. And we live in such an age, I can't believe how we are so disconnected. We are from each other in our, in our own selves. Having these computers, these smartphones, YouTube, Netflix, all these coping strategies, living more comfortably than we've ever lived in human history. And so we are spending too much time watching TV and eating our meals in front of the TV and being on our phones when our kids are outside playing. Being on our phones when we, were, when we were with our loved ones. Waking up and going on our phones immediately. We're so disconnected. And from this disconnection is our loss of control. We are so out of control that people in general just want to gain that control. And when I would smoke weed, I would feel like there was this vast domain of possibilities and I would have difficulty deciding what to do next that would satisfy me best. So when I would be hanging around with my friend, for example, we would be smoking and then we would be like, let's do this and or let's do that. Not having, not being... It's like our anxiety was there and the weed was enhancing our anxiety. And the time in my life I smoked weed the most was the time I was most unfulfilled and most lost in my life. For me, it was a band-aid. It made music, food, sex feel better. But when the weed wore off, then I was back craving for that escape again. Weed was a contributor to the other bad habits I was engaging in that was keeping me on Pleasure Island. So when I stopped smoking, I felt more awake. I felt more productive. And I relate to what Elon Musk said on a podcast once, uh, and this is paraphrasing. He said that weed is the opposite of what coffee does for me. It makes me unproductive and slows down my energy. And I related to that. And just because weed is widely said that it, you know, it's not harmful and it has many health benefits, it doesn't mean 
that weed is right for you. It doesn't mean it's right for you. I had to come to that conclusion myself. I had to stop smoking weed and see, okay, what is my life like without it? And it was also, I wanted to prove to myself that I I wasn't dependent on other things to make me live through this life. And so weed can enhance your symptoms of depersonalization. You can argue that weed enhances your consciousness, right? Your awareness, and that can stir up some of the demons you keep lurking in the darkness of your unconscious mind. And that's what I recognized in myself as well when I used to smoke. I recognized that I would... I would venture off into this other consciousness, this more awakened state. And through this more awakened state, I was more aware of my vulnerabilities, my past and the traumas that I was storing back then. And that would make me even more paranoid, anxious, and that would enhance my depersonalization in the end. So that's my opinion on weed, and I hope that has helped you with uh, your question, Lawrence. So thank you for your question. Uh, The second question comes in from Alice. She says, what is the biggest hurdle you had to overcome when dealing with health anxiety? For me, it was riding the wave of panic when faced with those symptoms out in a public area. So for example, when I would go to the symphony with Maggie and I would be sitting there in the audience and I would feel the sensations, whether it was the rapid heart beating or the shallow depth of field or especially the nausea, it stirred up more panic within me. And I knew at this time that I had to ride the wave of this panic and this anxiety to overcome this anxiety. I had to prove to myself that I am braver than I thought I was and that I will not die in this situation because I used to be the guy to run away from any situation that made me feel uneasy. And one of my biggest fears out in public when facing the sensations was the feeling of the nausea, the feeling of the shallow breathing and losing control right? Like you have some health condition that you can't, well, you don't know what it is. And the anxiety symptoms make you feel like there's something wrong with your health. And so the question really is, why is this the universal truth to overcoming fear, to stay in the environment and to not run away? Why is that the universal truth to overcome anxiety? And Well, this is the desensitization process. This is the process of attaching safety to the environment rather than fear. When you stay in the environment and you do not run away, even though your symptoms are horrible, even though your symptoms are your worst nightmare, 
when you stay in the environment and you prove to yourself that you won't die in that environment, you're attaching safety to it. And the more times you go back to the same environment and face those fears, the less, in, the less your anxiety will persist further on and the braver you become. You will become braver. You will be more brave to go into that taxi. You'll be more braver to go on that road trip. You'll be more braver to go to the doctor's office. You will be more braver to go to the shopping mall, right? When you start to conquer these environments and you prove to the amygdala, the part of the brain that initiates the fear response, that this place is in fact safe, then and then you keep doing that over and over and over again, not only will you conquer that environment, but all environments that make you feel uneasy. You'll prove to yourself that you can do more than you ever thought you could. And I see all the time people who just cope rather than do the work. They cope. They go to the doctors. They get their anti-anxiety medications. And then they sit at home. And then they drink their triple, triple lattes while they sit and watch Netflix and may smoke weed and avoid some work. And they just cope rather than engage in the discipline that's necessary to overcome anxiety. And you'll have way more self-respect. You'll see that these people that are just coping they have no self-respect over themselves. They're filled with guilt and shame. And it's, it's sad, Alice. It really is sad. But I promise that the more you start to face your fears, the more you will become braver and then have more, way more self-respect for yourself. You can do it. The third question comes from Edmund. He says, what is your go-to technique for negative thoughts? Now, I associate my negative thoughts to the shadow. The shadow is the part of us, the deep parts of us, that reach all the way down to hell. The shadow is universally true, which means everybody has a shadow. The shadow is the parts of us that we don't want to confront, that we repress and ignore. It's the dark parts of ourselves. Carl Jung says this about the shadow. The shadow is a moral problem that challenges the ego personality for no one can become conscious of the shadow without considerable moral effort. To become conscious of the shadow involves recognizing the dark aspects of the personality as present and real. This act is the essential condition for any kind of self-knowledge. Now, I want to repeat something in that sentence. Carl Jung says, to become conscious of it involves recognizing the dark aspects of the personality. 
So when you're walking down the road, or I'll give you a better example than that. You're holding a baby. And it's a baby that you love, or maybe you don't know, love, whatever. It could be a friend's baby, a co-worker's baby. And you think about throwing the baby across the room. And then you react to that thought, like, oh my God, why did I th just think that thought? I can't even believe it. But when you recognize that you thought that thought, that is what Carl Jung's saying here. It involves recognizing the dark aspects of the personality. We all have those dark aspects. So when you recognize that you thought that thought and you reacted to it, means you're more in touch of your shadow than somebody who would actually throw the baby because somebody who would actually throw the baby is not in touch with their shadow and wouldn't think that thought before throwing the baby. They would impulsively throw the baby. So just, so the fact that you recognize the thought means you're more in tune with your shadow. The parts of everybody that stem that reach all the way down into hell. And so when I get that negative thought, I, I look at the thought and I say to myself, there's the shadow. There's that part, dark part of myself. And it's only when we react with strong emotion towards that thought, we keep that thought around. So thoughts lead to our emotions. And if you provide that negative thought with strong emotion, you store the thought, right? When you react with high emotion toward that negative thought, you're basically telling yourself, this is what's important to me. I got to hang on to it. And you can stop the snowball. So you get the thought. You even you may feel the emotion, the negative emotion, and then say to yourself, I reject that. So this was something I did. So I'm giving you a couple techniques. I'm talking about, well, the shadow, recognizing, hey, there's that dark part of myself. I, I recognize that part and let it flow through you. Just noticing that it's that dark part of yourself is a huge step, but also saying to yourself, I reject that thought is a huge step. I reject that thought. I reject that thought. It doesn't fit with the person I want to become. I reject that thought. And I used to do that all the time. I used to say that hundreds of times a day. I reject that. I reject that. I reject that. And that would bring me back into the present moment. I would lessen my emotional grip over those negative thoughts. So it's really important to use the thinking brain to sort what you want to manifest. And, you know, a lot of people, especially the clients that come to me, they're so disconnected from their thinking brain. They don't realize that they have this voice in their, their brain that they can use to their advantage. So you get the thoughts that you don't want and you may feel like a slave, but engaging in that thinking brain by saying, I reject that will allow you to come back into the present moment and loosen your grip over those thoughts. And eventually they won't 
manifest themselves anymore. So if you are continuously getting the same negative thought over and over and over again, and then you start to implement techniques like I reject that thought, I reject that thought, and you do that 50 times a day, and then you keep doing that tomorrow and then throughout the week, all those that negative thought pattern will lessen and lessen and, and then eventually it won't make itself known. And that's where I'm going to leave you on today's podcast episode. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I'm so grateful for your questions. Um, if you want the program for 50% off, make sure you go and leave a like and review of the Anxiety Project uh, podcast on uh, on iTunes. I was like, program? No, that's not right. But anyways, please go do that and I'll send you the coupon code for 50% off the program when you go rate and review this podcast. And, and you, you let me know by going to unpluganxiety.com and then under contact, just message me and I'll send you the coupon code. And lastly, do not let anxiety define who you are. I will see you on the next podcast or video. Bye for now. Brad's Powerful Anxiety Recovery Program is now available at unpluganxiety.com. The Anxiety Project Program is downloadable and puts the power of anxiety recovery in your own hands. Visit unpluganxiety.com for more details. Recovery starts now.